there. You're listening to the Collective Church Podcast, recorded live at Collective Church in Roanoke, Texas, with lead pastor Rob Carmack. Enjoy the sermon. I hope everybody's doing all right. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to the book of 1 John, chapter 4. We'll take a look at that in a little bit. Um, that's actually not the primary thing I wanted to talk about. I've, I've done a lot of sermons um, I've done, uh, that, that revolved around, in, in the last eight years, I've done a lot of sermons that revolved around very specific and sometimes very obscure-seeming passages. And like the, I remember when I first started, I did a, a series on the book of Revelation. And I remember when I first told somebody that I was going to do, um, we, 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 were, I, uh, uh, we were sitting in this room and I was telling somebody, um, I, I was telling, it was, it was uh, Caroline and me and the Fritzels, and we were sitting over here, and I told the Fritzels, I said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a ser- sermon series. I'm going to do a 22-week sermon series on the book of Revelation. And Jackie, um, Jackie Fritzel had like this, she was wearing like this cardigan-looking sweater, and as soon as I said that, she took her sweater and she like wrapped it around herself and huddled her back, like as if I'd made the room colder just by telling her like we're going to spend half a year talking about Revelation. And it went fine, guys. I think mostly it went fine. <laughs> Um, but like th- that, that we freaked, that I, I was able to freak somebody out just by telling them that we were going to do that. Um, there, there's been a lot of that. <laughs> and, um, and so thanks for, thanks for being part of the ride. And, and, um, and so today I'm not doing an obscure passage. I'm not, I'm not going deep into, um, like the book of second Chronicles or, or whatever, um, which we could have done, I guess, uh, for, for fun. Why not? Um, but instead I want to talk about Bruce Springsteen because it's my last Sunday. And, um, <laughs> So back in 2016, my good friend J.B. Clark and I started a podcast, and uh, the name of the podcast was Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, and the, the concept around the podcast, if you don't know this, the concept around the podcast was each and every episode we would talk about one Bruce Springsteen song, we would go in alphabetical order one song at a time, and we would do a 30-minute like deep dive analysis on each Bruce Springsteen song, and we did it. We got all the way through the Z's. And then we, ke- we, we kept going on like albums and, and what, you know, we, 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 we could not stop ourselves from talking more and more about Bruce Springsteen. And um, it's a weird thing to tell people about, especially when we first started the idea, because um, I, I remember I was at a conference one time um, when the, uh, in, uh, in Los Angeles. And I was at a pastor's conference and I, I was talking to somebody and they were like, well, what else do you do besides, you know, like, do you have other like projects that you're working on? I said, well, I'm about to start a podcast called Bruce Springsteen Seeks the Alphabet. And he looked at me um, like I just offered him drugs. And so, or, or I had just taken some at the very least. And so I, and I, I was like, and, and anytime I've ever explained this idea to people, like no, not, not once, not in my entire life, in, in the entire time of doing this, have I ever explained the concept of this podcast to people and had them go, that sounds like a normal idea. I'm glad you're doing that. No, it's, it's always like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Why would you devote your time to that? Um, sounds, or the, the most polite version of it is, oh, that sounds fun. Um, or, but I've had people laugh at me. I've had people um, ask, like, are you sure? Like, is this, is this really what you want to spend your time on? Anyway, it's a weird thing to tell people about. And, it's, um, and, I, and so I've had to, so I spent a lot of time thinking about Bruce Springsteen's music. And I, I've had to, over the past five years or so, I've had to resist uh, the urge to make every single sermon about a Bruce Springsteen song because I could. And, but, but today, it's my last sermon, and so we're going to talk about a Bruce Springsteen song. No one can stop me. What are you going to do, not come back? Um, like, I'm not, I'm not the pastor here anymore. So, like, y- y- you can, don't, don't punish them for, for my transgressions here. So, um, so here's what we're going to, we're talking about a song called Devils and Dust. And in 2005, um, Bruce Springsteen released an album called Devils and Dust. And one of the things he was dealing about, dealing with on this album 
was how he felt about um, the Iraq war. And he, he, he has this song, uh, the, uh, the title song, Devils and Dust. It's from the perspective of a soldier in, in, a, in a war zone. And so I'm going to read the lyrics to this song. Um, I, 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 uh, amazingly, I've never done this before um, in, in terms of Bruce Springsteen songs. But, uh, uh, you know, I was really worried that the train wouldn't make it um, for my last sermon. And I just I can't tell you how relieved I am <laughs> that, it, uh, that it's on time. So, um, thanks to BNSF, or uh, what? Yeah. yeah, that's right, right. I, I said it, and I was like, that's not the name of a railroad, <laughs> but it is. Um, anyway, so I'm going to read the lyrics to this song. Uh, I, I should have printed them out for you, but I didn't. And um, so if you want to Google it, or you probably have it memorized, why wouldn't you, right? Everybody here likes Bruce Springsteen just as much as me. So... Um, Anyway, so the song's called Devils and Dust. And so it's, it's from the perspective of a soldier in a war zone. And, um, and it goes a little something like this. It says, I got my finger on the trigger, but I don't know who to trust. When I look into your eyes, there's just devils and dust. We're a long, long way from home, Bobby. And he, he says, he, he, he's singing in the second person. He makes reference to a person named Bobby a couple of times. This is actually a reference to Bob Dylan. Um, because in, in 1963, a little music history for you. In 1963, Bob Dylan uh, released a song or released an album uh, called The Times They Are a Changing. And on that album, there's a song called With God on Our Side. And that song is, is about the Vietnam War. And so this song, Devils and Dust, is supposed to sort of be an echo of the Bob Dylan kind of, of the sentiment of the Bob Dylan song. I know we've got Bob Dylan fans in the room, right? You're looking at me like, why are you looking at me? So, <laughs> um, so anyway, so when he says, we're a long, long way from home, Bob, he's, he's making reference to Bob Dylan. So he says, we're a long, long way from home, Bob. Home's a long, long way from us. I feel a dirty wind blowing, devils and dust. And then the chorus says, I got God on my side and I'm just trying to survive. What if what you do to survive kills the things you love? Fear's a powerful thing. It can turn your heart black, you can trust. It'll take your God-filled soul and fill it with devils and dust. And when he talks about, he says fear's a, a powerful thing. He's not talking about a fear of like flying or airplanes or even a fear of getting sick, which I think a lot of us are legitimately afraid of. Um, he's, he's not talking about a fear of like certain things that, we're, like, that, that we have like phobias about. He's talking about what happens when the human soul, in, to the human soul, when we look at another person and we see an enemy. When he talks about fear's a long, long way from us, or, we're long, or when he talks about fear's a powerful thing, he's talking about what happens when a human being becomes your enemy. What, happen, what, what happens when you, um, when you see another person or a group of people and they don't look like people to you anymore? What, what happens when, when there's a corrosion of, there, there's something divine going on within every human person? Yesterday, um, this is the thing I meant to say earlier, but yesterday, uh, I would imagine a lot of us were um, hooked on what was going on in Colleyville um, at the synagogue. And there, there was this just, um, if you don't know, there, there was a hostage situation at a, at a synagogue in Colleyville, not far from here at all. I, so Caroline actually drove by it yesterday, just not uh, before we even knew what was going on. And just there, there were, um, uh, you know, SWAT cars and all, all kinds of, um, just all, all kinds of police presence and FBI and everything like that going on because there was a hostage situation going on there. And, um, and I, I cannot imagine the fear. I cannot imagine the terror that must have been felt in the hearts of the people who were, who were there. And, um, and I remember when, when the story broke that 
um, the, 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 the whole thing was over and that the hostage taker was dead. How many of us, we, we hear that news and we think like, good. You know what I mean? Like in terms of the death of a, of a person. I remember, um, I remember when, when, when the news came out that Osama bin Laden had been killed and there was lots of celebration and there was lots of um, you know, like, it, it, you know, th this feeling of like, well, good, we got him. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, regardless of what a person does, that, that person is, is a human being. And so what happens when we look at a human being and we no longer see a human being? Um, what, what happens when we, when we get to a place in our souls where we can celebrate the death of another person? Well, that's, I think Bruce Springsteen would argue, that's devils and dust. That what, what happens to our God-filled soul is it fills it with devils and dust. And so, um, and then he, he goes on, he writes, well, I dreamed of you last night in a field of blood and stone. The blood began to dry and the smell began to rise. Then he goes back to the chorus. We've got God on our side. We're just trying to survive. Because, uh, and this notion of we've got God on our side, this is what every soldier, what every football player, whatever, what every person tells themselves when they're about to go into a, a, like a, a place of conflict. Well, God is on our side. And so whatever we do when God is on our side, that's holy, that's justified, right? Because, well, we've got God on our side. So we can do anything we want and it's fine. And so he says, we've got God on our side. We're just trying to survive. What if what you do to survive kills the thing you love. Fear is a powerful thing. It'll turn your heart black, you can trust. It'll take your God-filled soul and fill it with devils and dust. In other words, when we take a posture of other towards people, something happens. Not to the other person, but to us. It takes, our, it takes my God-filled soul and it fills it with devils and dust. And then he goes on. Now every woman, every man, they want to take a righteous stand. Find the love that God wills and the faith that he commands. I've got my finger on the trigger, and tonight faith just ain't enough. When I look inside my heart, there's just devils and dust. Well, I've got God on my side, and I'm just trying to survive. What if what you do to survive kills the things you love? Fear's a dangerous thing. It can turn your heart black, you can trust. It'll take your God-filled soul and fill it with devils and dust. So here's something, or there, there is something corrosive that happens when we have a low view of one another, when we have a low view of humanity, when human beings become disposable, when, when our ability, when we look at another person and we stop seeing another person. It takes our God-filled soul and it fills it with devils of dust. I love that he doesn't say, it takes that person and it fills them with devils and dust. No, it does something to me. There, there's this corrosive sort of destructive thing that happens inside of me when I, fail to see the humanity in another person. So what does he mean? So the question then becomes, okay, well, he, he's using this expression, devils and dust. What does he mean? What do those things represent? This is, this is where we get to 1 John chapter 4. So in 1 John chapter 4, uh, you have this writer, John, who, who says this in verse 16. He writes, um, if I can find it, um, uh, 1 John 4, 16, it says, and we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In the world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but first, perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one, who, the one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now, again, this isn't the fear of like 
flying or, or spiders or um, th th this, this isn't like, this isn't a way of saying like, have no caution in your life. Stop wearing seatbelts. Don't take your vitamins. Don't wear sunscreen. Like it's not, it's not saying like, have, have no, like don't take precautions in your life. Don't, don't do things that um, are, you know, wise. What, what it's saying is, again, this is about your posture towards human beings. It's when it says there's no fear in love. Because when I look at another human being and I sense danger, and I sense that there is, there is not humanity in that person, then something corrosive, again, happens inside of me. Then love begins to sort of leak out, and all that's left is devils and dust. Again, the writer's talking about fear. This is, again, it's not the fear of things, of like tangible, like things that we should be cautious about. When, when we fear other people, when we hold other people in contempt, we fill our own souls with devils and dust. We become less human, and we become less connected to the divine. When, when we first started Collective Church, eight years ago next month in, in February, um, my, my, my very first Sunday morning sermon was about grace and peace. Because when you start a conversation, you have to start asking questions about how do you start a conversation that's going to go, I, I didn't know how long the conversation was going to go. It turns out, for me, the conversation would go about eight years. So the question became, where do you start? How do you enter into a conversation like this? And uh, we wanted to start the conversation with grace and peace, the, the, because the whole thing has always revolved around grace and peace. So th the question is, so we've got, on, on the one hand, we've got the, the, the idea of devils and dust. This is a thing that we can offer to, to the world. We, we, can, we can bring more of ourselves, and if all I see is contempt and a low view of other people, then I'm bringing devils and dust into the world. So the question becomes, what, what's the, what, are the what are the other options? What's the alternative? Well, I would argue that the alternative is grace and peace. So the question becomes, what are we talking about when we talk about grace and peace? Grace in Greek is the word charis. And the word charis, it's the same root word as the, word, as, as the concept to give thanks. So when we talk about grace, what we're talking about is the thing that we're meant to give thanks for. There, there, is, there is an act of gratitude that comes along with grace. Grace is the understanding that we are always receiving something that is a gift and that we're capable of offering a gift of grace to other people. We give grace to people when we remember their humanity and we try and see the divine spark in them, even when that seems absolutely impossible. We give grace to people when we, offer, or when we honor their suffering. We give grace to people whenever we give them opportunities to be the best versions of themselves. We give grace to people when we honor um, whatever it is that, that makes them human. There are people in our community who have never received grace from a church before. There are people, over the last eight years, there are people who have come through the, the doors who the concept of receiving grace from a church was almost a foreign idea. We're talking about people who identify as LGBTQ+, people who are disabled, um, women who have been silenced by their own faith communities that they were raised in. This church was created with an eye towards offering grace to anyone who is hungry for it. The whole idea here is, how can we offer grace to people who have never received grace before? I remember um, about midway, right after we moved into this building, there was a girl who, who visited. Uh, she was a, a college student at UNT, and she came and found me, um, and she told me, she said, listen, I just want you to know, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in any of this stuff, but I needed to be in a place where I, I, I needed to be in a place that talks about faith issues just for a little while, because I, um, because I have a, a rough background with faith and I'm trying to, to heal from it. And I said, 
I, I said, I'm so sorry to hear that you've, you know, you've gone through that. She said, well, let me tell you about it. She said, I was raised, she said, I am bipolar, but I didn't know I was bipolar growing up because I grew up in a household where I was told that every time I had a depressive episode that I was possessed by a demon. And so rather than seeking actual mental health profession or like actual help, um, every single time I would like not be okay, they would have an exorcism for me. And so I was told that I was evil and that I was inviting this and that I was um, bringing this on myself and that there, there, were, there was evil in me because of this thing that is a part of me. And she said, and I just needed to find a church where I could sit and not hear that for a little while, even though I don't believe in any of this. And so um, and I, I, I told her, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you found us. And she, she, was, she only came for a few weeks. Um, but that she, that she felt comfortable enough to be here and that she felt comfortable enough to say that to me what was sort of an in indicator that, like, oh, people are here because they need some, some, some sort of grace. And it's not because they necessarily agree with everything. It's not because they necessarily want to be a part of something like this. It's just because they're looking for a space where there is some kind of grace that they can receive. This, this place was created with an eye towards offering grace to people who are hungry for it. And we've had people who've come here who, um, uh, bef right before the pandemic, there was a family that started coming here. Um, and uh, the, the mom came and found me and she said, we used to go to this one church. And then my son came out of the closet and they told us that we could come, but my son couldn't. And she said, and I, and I, she said, I could not bring myself to go to a church that wouldn't allow my son to be a part of it. And so we're here. Um, because we're looking for grace. We're looking for grace for my son. So we had to create, we, we, we felt compelled, we felt the need to create a space where people could receive grace in places where perhaps they never received it before. So we can offer devils and dust to the world or we can offer grace to the people who need it. Um, but what about peace? What are we talking about when we talk about peace? Peace, in Hebrew, is the word shalom. Shalom isn't just like the absence of conflict. Peace, shalom, is the, the state of being in which things are the way that they were always meant to be. This is, shalom is, if you've ever sensed that something isn't right here, there, there's something missing, there's something that's a little bit broken. Yeah, shalom is what, what it looks like when it doesn't feel that way. Shalom is what it looks like when things are the way that they were always meant to be. Look at John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says this. He says, peace I leave you, with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He talks about, I'm giving you, I'm here to offer you some kind of peace. How many of us, I wonder, could use a little bit of peace in our lives? How many of us spend all day with a sense that things are not the way they were meant to be? How beautiful that Jesus wants to leave people with more peace than they had when he first arrived. So as I, as, as I prepared, like, what, what's the final thing? Like, I know what the, the, first, the first thing I talked about was grace and peace. What's the last thing that I'm going to talk about? Well, it's grace and peace. Because how, even when Jesus says, what, 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 what is Jesus going to leave people with? He doesn't say, I'm going to leave you with really good theology. He doesn't say, I'm going to leave you with a list of practices to accomplish. What Jesus says is, I'm going to leave you with peace. So there are these two divergent postures. We can be people who bring devils and dust into the world, who always find something to be in opposition of. We can always find, we can always find something to fight about. We can always find something 
to, to divide us with. Or we can be people who offer grace and peace. We can bring devils and dust, or we can be filled with grace and peace and offer that instead. There are these two divergent postures. And the question becomes, who are we going to be? And the great, um, a great source of pride for me is that this place has been a, a, a place where people have come to to receive some amount of grace and peace. We make choices every day about what kind of world we will create. And I think the beautiful thing about Collective Church is that it's filled with people who say, we want to be a people who create grace and peace, who, who bring more, who pour more grace and peace into the world. So what am I supposed to leave you with? Grace and peace. My hope is that this church continues to move forward, that, that this church will continue to thrive and survive, not just for the sake of my ego or for the sake of um, giving somebody a platform, but for the sake of grace and peace, that, that this, place would be a pl- the, this place would be a place that enters into and leaves every conversation with charis and shalom, with grace and peace. Yeah, it's easy to be filled with devils and dust, and it's easy to find reasons to be in opposition to others. It's easy to rant on Facebook. It's easy to, to name all the things that you don't like about somebody else. What's hard? Grace and peace. This is the hard work of Jesus, and this is the hard work of Collective Church. And I'm so grateful that you can do that. I'm so grateful that this is a group of people who say that they can do that, who, who say that this is who we want to be. So may you be filled with grace and peace, and may you pour grace and peace into the world around you. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for this gift of grace and peace. We acknowledge all the different ways that we are filled with devils and dust, all the different ways that we um, see others as opposition and enemy and other. And may we heal ourselves, may we be healed of all the ways that we have fostered that in our lives and in the world around us. May we instead replace the devils and dust with grace and peace in us. May we see all of life as a gift. May we offer gifts to others. May we be filled with peace. And may we offer peace to others. May we be part of the hard work of putting things back together again. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This has been the Collective Church Podcast. We post episodes every week on Sundays. If you're interested in supporting our church, you can give at collectivechurch.net slash give. I hope you enjoyed listening.